Hebrews chapter 11, but I'm going to read 1 Timothy 4. So now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And we've been going through in Sunday school a bunch of different doctrines of devils. And uh, today we're going to take up something a little controversial. And then we'll go we'll go into a couple other things because I ain't going to preach a long time on this. But Hebrews chapter number eleven is a hall of faith, heroes of the faith uh, that God recorded, people that kept faith. <clears throat> and he uh, says, verse thirty one: By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. When she had received the spies with peace, what shall I say or more say? For time shall fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and of Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, attained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, or, yeah, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Uh, women received their dead, raised alive again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they all might obtain a better resurrection. And others had cruel <coughs> mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were uh, tempted were slain with a sword. They wandered about sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, not received the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for being so good now. In Jesus' name, bless the Sunday school. Uh, the book of Judges, Judges chapter number 16. Judges chapter number 16. In the halls, hall of faith, amen, Samson is recorded. Amen. And <coughs> Judges chapter number 16 is the Sixth book of your Bible. Seventh book. Sixth, seventh book. Judges. Judges chapter number 16. Samson has his hair cut off. Samson uh, is grinding in the mill. Had his eyes put out because he did wrong. Amen. And he revealed a secret. And God judged him. Verse 21. But the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza bound him with fetters and brass, and he did grind in the prison house, howbeit his hair began to grow again after he was shaven. And uh, the Lord of the Philistines gathered them together to offer great sacrifice on the day on their God and to rejoice. And they said, Our God hath delivered Samson our enemy in our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were married that they called, they said and called for Samson that he may make a sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house and made them sport. And they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me, 
that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And they were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women, while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on, and on which it bore, it was bore, borne up of the one with his right hand and the other his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel in the burying place of Manoah his father. And he judged Israel 20 years. And uh, what I'd like to bring out there and discuss for a few moments is... Uh, Suicide. Suicide. People commit suicide at an alarming rate. Amen. Uh, and I'm a thousand percent against it. Amen. There's a there's a push out there to have self-assisted suicide. You know, Kevorkian and all that other kind of stuff. And listen, I don't believe in taking your life. God will take your life. Amen. But uh, hospitals and other people are doing all that. Uh, there's a bunch of people claiming hospice and stuff for trying to empty their beds faster and they're trying to do things to help assist people to leave this world into another world uh, our government and other governments want to commit genocide uh, that's part of the Obamacare bill that when you get up to a certain place instead of having surgeries they give you a little comfort medicine and send you on to the happy dwelling place wherever that might be but we know that lost people die without Jesus Christ they go where? They go to hell. And I'd like to say this, that most, most suicides, amen, people end up in hell. Samson here committed suicide, and he's in the hall of faith, and he's going to be with the saints, the Old Testament saints, amen. He's going to appear with them. He's not part of the bride of Christ. He's never born again, amen, but by faith. And I'd like to say this too. Is people want to use suicide and say that if you, you're a saved, born-again Christian, you commit suicide, they'll say that you'll die and go to hell. Now, let me ask you a question. If that's the case, then your salvation is not based upon what Christ did. It's based upon what you did, right? Amen. If you're a child of God and you're saved and you're born again and you're washed in the blood and you got eternal life, amen, then if you pull a trigger and kill yourself, Amen. They're basing salvation upon what you do, not what not what you've done with Christ. If you pull a trigger and you pull your blow your brains out, they'll say, "Well, you don't have time to confess your sins." So what you're telling me is that I got to confess every one of my sins after in life. Then I'm telling you that nobody go to heaven because there ain't nobody out there confesses every one of their sins. <laughs> I try to confess a good majority of them. But you want me to confess every sin I ever committed? Oh my God. <laughs> I challenge you to write down every sin you ever commit per day and then scratch it off after you confess it. Amen? And then I challenge you to have two people follow you 
and record your life and see if you confess all the sins that day what they recorded of you. Well, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Listen, I have no idea what you think in your head. I have no idea what you think in your heart. Amen? I have no idea what you entertain in your heart all day long. I can't control what you look at and your attitude and thoughts toward what you look at. I can't help about what you listen to. Amen? And so, you know, listen, one saved man, two saved men can walk into a place and hear music. One get affected by it, the other one not get affected by it. You say, why? Because one guy's probably got it blocked out and the other guy he's tuned into. Amen? Right? I mean, two guys could be driving down the road and there could be a woman out there mowing grass with a bikini. One looks and one doesn't. Or they both may see it, but one's affected really negative by it and the other one ain't. You say, why? Because maybe the one looks, oh, God, help her, save her. And the other one might go, wow, but she's beauty. <laughs> and he want to think about it all day long. I don't know how men respond to those things. But listen, God knows who sins and who don't sin. And I'm to confess my sins. I'm to name them one by one. I commit them one by one. But I'd be a fool, and you'd be a fool to think that when we die that we'll have every sin confessed. <laughs> My salvation is not based upon me confessing all my sins. My salvation is based on me taking God's side against myself and realizing I have sinned. And I am a sinner and I practice sin. And you know what? I need to get saved. And when I got saved, God has delivered me from the practice of sin. I sin. I still sin. But if we've sinned, amen, if any man sinned, my little children are right on you. They sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's up there pleading his case. Thank God he's pleading his case. He's up there saying, Lord, I, I, Father, I done shed my blood. I bore all these marks. I paid in full for what he's doing. If he's pleading our case, he'd say, God, put him in hell because he deserves it. <laughs> right? He's pleading his case. We accepted him. And he says, Father, I've paid for that. I've taken care of that. You understand? And so, listen. My salvation is not based upon what I do or I don't do. It's all based upon what he did. And my salvation is based on whether I take his payment or I choose to have it paid for myself. And if I've taken his payment and he's forgiven me and he's pardoned me for all my sins, blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. That includes, amen, suicide. Amen. But there's a bunch of churches today, I'm trying to tell you, They'll tell you that a saved man can't fall under, get in depression and wind up taking his own life. There's people who can get in the flesh in a bad way and end it all and take out their family and wind up being saved. They said there's no possible way. If you, How can you love God whom you've uh, not seen and hate your brother and you hate yourself and you kill yourself? You lost because the murderer don't have eternal life. Abide now. Tell them people to go take a hike. Amen. I know a couple preachers that's taken their lives. I don't know how they got sideways, but they got sideways and they took their life. And uh, they say we're not in heaven. I don't know about that. Samson's there. Let me show you something else. Romans chapter number five. I believe, and this is what I believe, I believe that if a person uh, winds up taking her own life. I believe they'll lose rewards. I think it's a bad testimony for the Lord. I believe it's trying to say that God's grace was not sufficient for them to get through the trials that they got through. Yeah. 
I, I believe that an individual that finally cashes in all the chips turns around and, and uh, says, I can't do that no more, is uh, a bad testimony for the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You can lose your testimony. Yeah. You can lose your joy. You can lose your rewards. Yeah. You can lose the millennial kingdom, the inheritance of it, the ability to be able to reign with Christ. You can lose peace. You can lose happiness. <clears throat> you can lose your life. There's a lot of things you can lose, but you can't lose your soul once it's paid for, once you've trusted Christ. I'm not talking about somebody that's just prayed a little prayer. I'm talking about somebody that genuinely humbled himself, trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and his forgiveness, took the Lord Jesus Christ to be their sin, and there's a Savior, and there's evidence of a changed life. Therefore, if any man be a Christ, a new creature, old things pass away, though all things come new. I'm not saying anybody, everybody that just comes down and prays a prayer is saved. But I'm telling you, somebody that comes down and receives Christ, and there's genuine evidence that they've passed from darkness to light. Amen. They've done turn to Christ, and there is genuine overwhelming. Hey, Amen. That guy's saved. We know some preachers that ain't serving God that definitely were saved. <coughs> Love God. Took a stand. By and by, they're out. I'm never going to say that man wasn't saved. He showed evidence, bore witness of the Holy Ghost. And if they decide to end it all, I wouldn't say they never were saved. I would say that he allowed the devil to get to him. Amen. He allowed the world and the flesh and the devil. He didn't rest in the power and the grace of God. He quit yielding to the power of God. He fainted in his mind. And when he fainted in his mind, he got weak and he took his wife. It's a sad way for a saint to go. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Much more than being what? Now justified. How? By his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him. When is this individual right here justified? Now, right there, Caleb, you're being justified how? by his blood right now right now let me ask you at the end of the service today we leave church at one o'clock are you still justified by the blood yes, sir. at one o'clock that's an ever-present continual justification Amen. through the blood of jesus christ Amen. you have a 24-hour day seven days a week 365 days a year protection of the blood Amen. you are constantly you. amen and eternally justified by the blood of Christ. So no matter what sin you commit as a child of God, you're still justified. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. So if I took a gun and I decided to lock and load that thing today and blow my brains out because I succumbed to the pressures and the test, the pressures of life and the test and the trials of life and I say I can't take it no more, Amen. It's just more than I can bear. In a weak moment, I take my life. I'm what? According to Romans 5, 9. I'm being justified while I commit suicide. You yeah. <laughs> how you can do that. See, my justification ain't based upon what I do or I don't do. Right. My justification is based upon him. Amen. And if I take him and I accept, I take my place where I belong, and I take him to be my Lord and my Savior, I am justified just if I never sinned. I am guaranteed eternal life because Jesus Christ punched my ticket. It's based on what I do with Christ, 
not how I live my life. And all these Christians, listen, I tell you, there's a bunch of people out there to be listening to this out there on YouTube or whatever, and they'll sit back and say, that preacher's whacked. And I'm going to tell you, then your theology is messed up because your salvation is not based upon right. what you do. Amen. It's based on what he did. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And if you base your salvation upon what a man does or a woman does, you're messed up. And you're being justified by self, and you'll turn around and end up in hell. And that man that committed suicide that got weak and cracked will wind up being in heaven. Yeah. And you talk about a, a gag. <laughs> you find out, well, God, he committed suicide. Yeah, but he trusted my saving grace. Right. He just didn't yield to it. Yeah. You didn't trust my saving grace because you thought you had to live it. Therefore, you despise my son's sacrifice thinking you had to live it, therefore you'll end up in hell. Amen. Amen. Listen, I understand the weakness of the flesh. And I understand the flesh is wicked. And I understand the fleshly mind and the damnic nature. And if a man gets out of reading his Bible and gets out of praying and gets to walking in the flesh, he can crack and break. And, and turn around. Listen, I understand Brother Dax don't like the word backslide. Brother Mark didn't like the word backslide. But it is an Old Testament word, and it means you're carnal. Right. Yeah. The New Testament word is carnal. You're walking in the flesh. Proverbs 14, 14. Amen. says, a backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. That's somebody that's walking in the flesh. That's a carnal person. We have spiritual Christians, we have carnal Christians, we have fake Christians. Hello? There's a bunch of people that pretend to be saved, they've never been saved. There's a bunch of people that are carnal Christians, the Bible calls them babes, or they're a Christian that's walking in the flesh. They're carnal. Then you got a spiritual one that's walking in the spirit. I hate to say there's very few spiritual ones. Very few people walk in the spirit. Most people walk in the flesh. And, uh, but uh, those ones that walk in the flesh want to turn around and be judgmental about them. They want to pretend that they're spiritual and they'll turn around. They're the first one to put that lost, that man that committed suicide in hell because they don't understand the scriptures. They don't understand the word of God. They don't understand grace. Listen, I, I got a friend right now that's in so much severe pain. Uh, until you've gone through pain, I, I I'd, I'd hate to say and be critical about somebody else that can't handle pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. Amen. 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 I don't know what my sister's going through now. My my sister, it's not my little sister, the one in the middle, Paula, but she's got what they call suicide headaches. And these suicide headaches, the average person that gets these, what they call cluster headaches. Amen. To where people bang their head on the walls and guy crawling on the floor, banging his hand on the floor because his headache's so bad and they're trying to hurt their body in other places to take away the pain that's in their head. I don't understand that stuff. I don't ever want to understand. I've had migraines, but I don't understand a headache like that. And I don't I don't know if I really ever want to understand that. Amen. But there's people they call them suicide that they can't take the pain anymore. I got a friend right now that he, he's got so much pain, it's just unbelievable in his body. And it's knocked him out of the ministry. Not, you know, he's a preacher, but he's not preaching. He's, he's, and he can't hardly ever go to church because his body is in such pain. I, I'm not going to be critical upon that. Yeah. I have no idea what they're going through. Right. 
And if he turned around and took a gun and blew his brains out to ease the pain, I, I wouldn't put that man in hell. He's a safe man. His life's been wrecked by chance, I guess. His body's falling apart. He's had major surgery. He's got big old giant screws in his back, and he's got cages in his back, and he's in constant pain and agony all the time. Uh, we had a man in here. I've seen uh, his arm. I've seen his x-rays. They had to rebuild the whole socket and had to take chest muscle and peel chest muscle back and wrap it around his arm and everything else to try to make a muscle because he got so messed up in a bike wreck. A guy sideswiped and hit him. Messed him up. And doctors, uh, he was here, he's testifying that he's got to take all this pain medicine It's killing his liver, it's destroying his liver. He's tried to drink, he's tried to smoke pot, he's tried to do everything he can to try to find an alternative to take for the pain. And he's out. He's, he's just, he, he couldn't take it here, but what I'm just saying is he's in pain all the time. And he's tried to do everything he can, and doctors don't want to prescribe to him. And so sometimes he's got to buy drugs illegally just to take for pain because he's in a mess. He's riding a motorcycle, minding his own business. Somebody hits him, and now his life's turned upside down, and he's in pain. If he decided to take his life, should I be critical of him? Listen, I'm telling you, pain will do more to people and cause people Amen. to do things you can't even explain. It, it'll ruin a home. It'll ruin a life. It'll ruin a family. Yes. It'll ruin a career. And people can sit back in their pharisaical fair, outfits and sit back and say, you know what? You just ought to suck it up, trust the grace of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really good when your pain level yep. is, is less than a 1 and his yeah. pain level is a 15 on a scale of 1 to 10. Amen. <laughs> You know, people can't handle, some people can't handle things. Some people got a tough hide. Some people don't. You know, the Bible says in the book of James, let's look at James chapter number two. James chapter number two. I, I just want to be real careful how I view a situation and how I make comments about a situation. Amen. Because, boy, I like to put my tongue in gear before my brain engages. <clears throat> amen? Anybody else ever had that problem? Your, your tongue's in gear and, amen, it's done burnt rubber <laughs> before your brain, before your thoughts ever connect up to catch up to it. James chapter 2, verse 13. For he shall have judgment without, without mercy that hath what? Shoot no mercy. Mercy rejoices against judgment. Any type of judgment you make against an individual going through a hard time, you better be careful on how you judge that situation. And uh, it'd be really good just to be flowing, oozing with mercy. Because uh, God will give you no mercy yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you need mercy. Amen. Amen. I just learned that you better be careful about what you're talking about and what you think about a situation. Amen? And try to give people the benefit of the doubt. You say, well, I don't want to be conned. You don't have to be conned. Amen? And well, so what? You get cheated out of 50 bucks sometimes. At least you tried to do right. God will know you tried to do right. Amen? Caleb tried to help somebody one day. Bought him a motel. Gave him some money. <clears throat> so what if the guy was lying? Caleb, Caleb will get rewarded for trying to do right. Yeah. Amen. Caleb will come out the better 
of it. Amen. God will bless them. God will reckon them. Reckon it to his account for trying to do right. Right. Amen. And then he'll learn by experience. And uh, But you know what? You never know. What if that was the Lord that showed up that day just testing us? We got no idea. Amen. So we need to have mercy. That's the biggest thing I can say. Number one, you're saved by the grace of God. Amen. If you've repented of your sin and placed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's cleansed you and he's made you a new creature, and you succumb to the problems of life, and you decide to take your life, which I'm not advocating that. Somebody will say, Preacher, you're, you're advocating that people ought to take their life. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, is that if it does happen, you're not going to go to hell if you're saved. Right. Amen? Because your, your salvation is not based on whether you keep yourself alive or whether you take your life. Your salvation is based on whether you repent, trust Jesus Christ, or not take Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what it's based upon. Now, while we're here in this avenue, we're in this boat, <clears throat> amen, part two today, Sunday school. Let's go to Genesis chapter number two. Genesis chapter number two. Amen. Verse seven. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of what? Life. And man became a living soul. There's a body, soul, and spirit. The ground made a body. Right? Breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, a spirit. And man became a living soul. Now, that verse right there, that's where Dr. Ruttman takes all the heat from the abortionist. You say, Why? Because he believes that a baby, until it takes a breath, is not a living soul. Though that baby's living in a woman's body, he does not believe until it takes its actual breath that it's a soul. You understand what I'm saying? That's what he teaches. This is his verse. Now, I'm not saying it's, that he's right. I'm just telling you what he says. Adam was not a soul till he took a breath. You understand? So Dr. Ruckman teaches that a man is not a soul until they take a breath. So therefore, my baby Lydia, according to Dr. Ruckman, would have never been a soul because she never took a breath. That's what he teaches. That's what he says. That's why all these people are all upset at him because he doesn't somewhat worry about all the abortions that were committed and these people get all been out of whack and say well then you're condoning abortion you're condoning murder i talked to one guy about this thing and he says i'm not saying it's not a living thing he said i'm not saying it's not alive in a belly he said but it doesn't say that they became a living soul until they take a breath right and so i said well I said, if my daughter Lydia is not there because she was never sold, then you know what? Once I'm there, it's not going to matter, is it? And until then, I'm going to believe she's a living soul. <laughs> until then, I'm going to believe, because Adam, that's a one-time event that a man was made out of the dust of the ground. You understand? Because the seed that was planted 
Amen. Was alive. Amen. From that point on, every seed, Cain and Abel came from his loins. Amen. And that seed that was planted was alive in Adam when it was planted in Eve. You understand? God made Eve a living soul out of the rib. Not everybody's born out of mama's rib. Right? <laughs> this is this is the first time, first time event. And then every baby that's born has an umbilical cord. And they live and they get oxygen through the blood. Right. Through the umbilical cord. And they survive and get nourishment and be able to form and grow. Amen. To sustain life. So I believe that they're a soul before then. And Dr. Ruttman says that John the Baptist was an exception. He leaped in his mother's womb. And Jeremiah, you know, we all go to Jeremiah 1, you know, before I formed thee in the mother's womb, I knew thee. And he knows all our members and all our body parts and everything. But I believe they become a living soul. Amen. Once they're conceived. Amen. I don't believe Jesus Christ when he was placed in his mother's womb at conception. The Bible says he was a child at conception. When you compare Isaiah 7, 14 and Matthew 1, 23, Jesus Christ was a child. Amen? At conception. And I believe if his mother would have aborted him, she would have killed him. You understand? But he came forward. He came alive. He was filled with Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. John the Baptist had the Holy Ghost touch him while he's in his mother's womb. Amen. So I'm talking to you about uh, people that want to commit abortion, right? Let's go to Luke or Romans chapter four. Romans chapter number four. I believe, personally, hands that shed innocent blood, if a doctor goes in, a nurse goes in, and the woman or the parents and everybody else wants somebody to terminate a baby's, a woman's pregnancy, I believe they commit murder. Amen. I believe they're taking a life. Amen? It's murder. Their hands and they're shedding innocent blood. There's nothing more innocent than that yeah. little child. Amen. You understand? And I believe they all deserve capital punishment. Yep. They all deserve an opportunity to be saved and then kill them. Yeah. At Romans chapter number 4, verse 14, For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise of none effect, because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Amen. I believe anybody that's under the age of accountability, if they die, they get to go to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I believe there's 55 million babies been murdered in America through abortion. I believe they're going to be up there on the other side. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I don't believe they're going to be floating around like Jesse Duplantis says, all the aborted babies got little wings and they're floating all around heaven. I don't believe that. I don't believe they look like little Cupid dolls flying around. I believe they're a real person. I believe they have a real name, and I believe they'll have to face it. I got a friend that before he was saved, he paid for two abortions. I believe he's going to meet them two babies when he gets to the judgment seat. Mm. Have a 
aborted baby walk up and Dad, I'm that unborn child you didn't want. That would be a rough thing, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. People think they're just going to overlook all that? I'm telling you, it's going to make America's hell high. Amen. Amen. They're trying to they're trying to commit genocide through abortion. And they're getting paid for it. I'm not saying you can't be forgiven. There's a lady, amen, if you watch the video, the regiment of women, she got paid $25 per abortion. And $25 per abortion, she became a millionaire through Planned Parenthood. Encouraging girls. Every girl that committed an abortion. Amen. They encourage them to go get pregnant. Then they encourage them to get an abortion after they have a baby. And it's genocide upon our young people and upon our land. And that woman got paid $25 for every girl she referred to get an abortion. And she became a millionaire. And then she got saved. And now she's trying to do all she can to preach against that thing and try to win these people. Amen. God forgave all that to her. God can forgive somebody who commits an abortion. Amen. I'm just saying it's murder. Yeah. And I say they deserve to have their blood shed. Yeah. If you shed man's blood by man, shall your blood be shed. Amen. There's innocent blood in America crying out. And the only way the wrath of God will be appeased is their blood shed in its place. Amen. But I'm saying as these people never come to the age of accountability, those babies never come to age of accountability. I believe they're going to be with the Lord. Amen. We had a man in here the other day that believes the age of accountability is 20 years old because that's how old they were from 19 and under. Amen. I don't believe that. When they came out, crossed over, and went into Egypt. I believe anybody today, amen, that don't have the knowledge of the law can be, amen, under the age of accountability. But there's going to come a time that they're going to know what the book says. Yeah. Amen. And ignorance ain't going to work when they got the opportunity to have the Bible. Listen, I believe it comes to a place where a person knows how to do right from wrong. My children would have been more accountable than the average person. Why? Because they've heard the preaching all their life. And they grew up knowing right from wrong. They grew up knowing the difference between telling the truth and not telling the truth. They grew up knowing whether you should obey mom or not obey mom. Amen? The accountability line might have been a little bit lower for them than it would have been for others. Hello? But I believe people wind up coming to an age of accountability where they know, Paul said, I had not known sin except the law said, thou shalt not what? Covet. Amen? You're taught right from wrong and you're taught about how sin relates to God and God will come across the person's life and say, you're guilty. That individual knows. When they know they become guilty before God, they're in trouble. Amen? And there comes a place in a person's life where ignorance is no excuse. Look in Romans chapter 2, verse 1. He reads them, Romans 1. He tells, he gives America and Europe and the world their pedigree tells them what's going to happen because they reject the gospel in 116. And he goes down through and he tells them what's going to happen because they changed the truth of God into a lie. And you get down there at verse 2, chapter 2, verse 1, therefore thou art what? Inexcusable, Inexcusable man. 
You know what he did? God took away man's excuse. Man has no excuse. The book of Romans is written to take away men's excuse. Man will face God and he'll have no excuse why he rejected Jesus Christ. Other than he was an infidel, he was lost, and in blind stupidity he chose to reject God's grace. You understand? Man has an opportunity to be saved. In America, amen, you can walk in and you can get a Bible. How many people pushed their little shopping carts past the books over there at Walmart and, and Kmart and there, there's a Bible sitting on a shelf? Yeah. How many people go to go commit adultery under wife and there's a Bible sitting on a nightstand? Oh, I'm sorry, all motels were forced to put it in the drawer. It used to be on the nightstand. But now they got to hide the Word of God. Amen. You know how many parents put their kids through public school and force their kids to go through public school and they'll sit back and say, well, uh, I didn't know. I was taught evolution. Well, the parents, you put them in there. Well, they didn't know the truth. They could have knew the truth. In America, <laughs> it's the worst thing in the world to do is die and go to hell in America. Yeah. Especially from a Baptist church. Yeah. It should be preaching the truth. Yeah. What they've done is they've done watered it down and changed it so much. People don't even know they're sinners. People don't even know they've sinned because preachers have been bullied for preaching against sin. They're afraid that they're going to lose a congregation. They're afraid they're going to lose a paycheck. They're afraid that they can't sit around and drink coffee and eat at the coffee shops and eat breakfast with everybody else in town instead of having to work an honest job. So therefore, they compromise the truth in telling people what they need to hear. Amen. Amen. I'm not against drinking coffee and having breakfast with a preacher. But I'm just saying, there's a bunch of them that are afraid to lose that, so they'll compromise, afraid to tell somebody the truth, that they might run off and go to the nearest country club church. And those preachers ain't going to say nothing against it. Joel Osteen ain't going to tell you nothing about the cross. It's a barrier. Doctrine divides. It's a barrier, so we don't discuss doctrine. Yeah, you're going to have... You're going to have 30,000 plus people, amen, in your church is going to wish, you'll be cursing you in hell forever. I don't want nobody calling my name out in hell saying, yeah. why didn't you tell me? Amen. That's right. amen. Amen. You knew, preacher, and you wouldn't tell me, you coward. Yeah. I don't want nobody to say that to me. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I don't want to be standing at the judgment seat and people that's in sin losing all their rewards and losing all their blessings, maybe lose a millennial kingdom because I was too scared to preach against them. And they got to look at me and they got to lose all that stuff. It all burns up because I wouldn't help them and tell them the truth. I got a grave responsibility as a preacher to declare the truth and preach the truth to help people stand and live for God and gain reward and other things. Amen. There's a lot more to it than just preaching. Amen. John 3.16. Yeah. I'm responsible to train those young men to how to be godly husbands and godly men and how to rear their children. Not raise, rear. Amen. And it starts with a switch. Right? Rose of shape. Woo-hoo. Huh? Amen. And fan the flames. Amen. How to love their wives. Dwell with them according to knowledge. Hello. To teach their wives. How to, 
Amen. And teach children and teach them how to be a, uh, a proper United States citizen <laughs> according to the scriptures. Amen. And how to be good hard workers. And how to, I mean, there's, there's a lot involved in being a pastor and preaching the truth. It's our responsibility to be able to tell the truth, to be able to help people. Amen. Therefore, thou art what? Inexcusable. Doctrines of devils. Amen. I believe, I don't believe, I don't condone abortion because somebody says that baby didn't take a breath. I believe it's murder. Amen. And I believe that that baby, amen, that dies prematurely, amen, goes to be with the Lord. And I believe they're up there. And I'm against anybody that wants to murder a baby. I'm against anybody that wants to murder an old person that's out of their mind and say, well, we'll just kill them, save the country money. I'm against that too. I'm against genocide. Hello. I'm against any kind of cleansing. There's only one person I might be interested in killing. <laughs> Amen. There's a man that came up on a car wreck and a man was trapped in the car and he couldn't get him out. And his car's on fire and he's burning. And if I was a police officer, I might consider plugging him to ease his pain if I can't get him out of that burning car. To me, that would be a mercy killer. To help him not have to burn to death. There's a man that begged him to cut his legs off with a chainsaw to get him out of a car. He's trapped and he's burning. He said, cut my legs off. If that's what it took to save his life. That's about the only way I'd recognize a mercy killer. Because there ain't nothing worse than burning to death. You know? But I don't advocate mercy killer. I'd say try to do everything you can to help the individual. Yeah. Cut their leg off, you have to. Cut their arm off, you have to. You understand? But if a police officer's there and he's got a pistol and that person's trapped and there's no other way and they're begging you to help them, I believe at that point you'd be helping them. I don't believe you'd be murdering anybody. I think you'd be showing mercy. And if a judge is too dumb to understand that, then he don't need to be on the bench. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to discuss some, some tough issues in life. In Jesus' name. Amen.